all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Medical Director of the Center for the Advancement of Youth and Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Bad things can happen to anyone, the good, the bad, or just those people who are real. Have you found yourself searching for an answer as to why something happened and end up blaming the victim? Bullying, rape, domestic violence, even poverty are instances where often the victim seems to be targeted as partially to blame. Why do we do that? Why can we be so insensitive about this? There are some reasons we'll talk about what's going on in your life. I want you to share your comments and experiences this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. British police investigating last night's suicide bombing at a concert say they've raided two residential areas in Manchester. They reportedly have carried out a controlled explosion at one site. This as the UK grapples with a tragedy that has affected so many young lives. 22 people killed, 59 wounded, many of them critically, after terrorists set off an explosion at the conclusion of an Ariana Grande concert at the Manchester Arena. ISIS says it was behind it. The Manchester hospitals treating the injured need help, and local residents are lining up to donate their blood, even those like Craig Platfoot, who says this tragedy moved him to overcome a personal long-time phobia. I love the people of Manchester. I'm actually deadly afraid of needles, so I'm really, I, I really want to do, this is my first time, I really want to do what I can, but I, I am nervous, but I don't care. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to give blood because I've got two kids myself. Platfoot speaking to ITN. President Trump is expressing solidarity with the U.K. Here's NPR's Tamara Keith. Trump made the remarks in Bethlehem following a meeting with the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. So many young, beautiful, innocent people living and enjoying their lives murdered by evil losers in life. Trump said he would call the people who inflict this kind of violence monsters, but they might like that. I will call them from now on losers because that's what they are. They're losers. And we'll have more of them. But they're losers. Just remember that. In his remarks, Trump also expressed optimism about restarting the Middle East peace process. Tamara Keith, NPR News, Jerusalem. We now turn to the Director of National Intelligence, Daniel Coates, who is refusing to comment publicly about reports that President Trump asked him to push back against an FBI investigation into whether Russia tipped the 2016 election in Trump's favor and whether the candidate's campaign played a role. 
NPR's Jeff Bennett reports Coates appeared this morning before the Senate Armed Services Committee. The Washington Post first reported that President Trump asked Coates and National Security Agency Director Michael Rogers to publicly deny any evidence that his campaign worked with Russia during the 2016 presidential election. Coates and Rogers reportedly refused to comply. Coates was asked about the report during testimony before the Senate Armed Services Committee. I have always uh, believed that uh, given the nature of uh, my position and the information in which we share, um, it's not appropriate for me to uh, comment publicly uh, on any of that. Coates later said that in general, any political shaping of intelligence would be inappropriate. Jeff Bennett, NPR News, the Capitol. This is NPR. 007 fans are paying tribute to Sir Roger Moore, who rose to international fame as the debonair British spy James Bond. Moore died in Switzerland today from cancer. He was 89 years old. NPR's Andrew Limbong has this appreciation. Sure, we all know him as the martini-drinking secret agent James Bond, but Roger Moore first got super famous in the 60s, playing Simon Templar in the British thriller series The Saint. Thank heavens for English theater bars. He told NPR in 2008 that the hour-long drama was a fun show to work on, but a bit much. I must say I read the script and thought it was awfully long for half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) The role of James Bond came in 1973 with Live and Let Die. My name's Bond. James Bond. Decades later, he was knighted for his humanitarian work, and he kept acting. According to his family, he was last on stage in 2016 at London's Royal Festival Hall. Andrew Limbong, NPR News. The European Union Parliament is on track to require social media companies such as Twitter and Facebook to fully address hate speech on their platforms. EU lawmakers have been calling for stronger action as they witness the spread of hate speech and fake news on social media. Sales of new homes in the United States have fallen by their largest amount in more than two years. Commerce Department says new home sales for last month dropped 11.4% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 569,000. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow was up 42 points to 20,937. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from Blue Vine, offering businesses revolving lines of credit to help them grow and expand. Credit lines up to $100,000. Small business credit help is available at bluevine.com and Americans for the Arts at americansforthearts.org. This is Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. And now, Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and this morning we are talking about when bad things happen to people. Why do we tend to blame the victim? Bad things can happen to anyone. You can be good, you can be a bad person, or you can be one of those just real people, and bad things can happen to you. Have you found yourself searching for an answer as to why something happened and found yourself ending up blaming the victim? 
It happens. Bullying, rape, domestic violence, even poverty are instances when often the victim seems to be targeted, at least as partially to blame. Why do we do that? Why are we so insensitive? I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about that? There are likely some reasons that we fall into this behavior, and we'll talk about them as we move along in the show. But I really do want to hear from you as to what you think. Um, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Let me, let me sort of point out what I'm talking about. You know, there are numerous instances that have happened um, lately. And, of course, one that is in our own backyard, little Kingston Frazier's death, has been on every everyone's mind. He's a little six-year-old. He was about to enter kindergarten, and he was killed in a horrible incident. So how sad for the family. They lost this little one who was just about to graduate from kindergarten. The sadness has almost been palpable. Um, Then there are the questions about why was he out so late? What was the mother doing? Why was he left alone in the car? So, So yes, maybe some mistakes were made, but here we are turning this around from a crime that was committed to perhaps partially blaming. Here's another one that just happened last night. The bombing in Manchester, England last night. A horrible, horrible tragedy. Something that happened at a concert for young people. So far, we know that about 22 people have died, the youngest being eight years old so far. Horrific, sad, unimaginable. Yet, you can be assured that there will be parents who blame themselves or blame each other, and grandparents who wonder why that eight-year-old was allowed to be at a concert so late. We tend to try to find a reason for something happening like that. Uh, I started looking into this to, to uh, this has bothered me a lot. And uh, as I thought about it more, I found an article that was written by Juliana Breens, I believe is the way you pronounce her last name. She's a psychologist, an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Rhode Island. And she wrote this article in Psychology Today about Four years ago, and it, it was about blame placing, placing blame on the victim. And um, this is what she said. I'm going to read. It's a direct quote. Blaming is not just avoiding culpability or responsibility. It's also about avoiding vulnerability. The more innocent a victim, the more threatening they are. Victims threaten our sense that the world is a safe and moral place where good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. When bad things happen to good people, it implies that no one is safe, that no matter how good we are, we too could be vulnerable. The idea that misfortune can be random, striking anyone at any time, is a terrifying thought. And yet, we are faced with it every day with evidence that it may be true. 
And certainly, we all have just recently. So, um, you know, I think that's probably why when um, rape victims um, are so reticent to um, come forward, because so many times... They've seen it in the past. Their sexual histories are talked about. Um, did they dress in a provocative manner? Did they take a risk they perhaps should not have taken? Um, so even even people in poverty often, instead of thinking about the situation that got them into poverty and how unfortunate it is, uh, many times we tend to talk about um People in poverty are perhaps lazy or unmotivated to get themselves out of poverty. Um, when those are suffering from mental or physical illness, we tend to try to turn it around and talk about, and I'm talking about the collective we. I know everybody doesn't do this, but if you're really honest with yourself, you might do it now and then. But we do sometimes Think about, well, you know, if that person exercised more, ate more in a, health, in a more healthy manner, or if that person just would pull themselves up by the bootstraps and quit acting sad and do the things they can do to make themselves happy. We've talked about those before, most recently on this radio show, how to make yourself happy. But sometimes you just can't do it. But we still tend to blame people about that. So um, as we as we move along, I, I just want us to try to have the insight of why we do that. It's not that we're bad people. It's that perhaps it makes things less scary for us and what maybe we need to do instead. So I see we have our first caller already. Let's let's go to Frank in Jackson. Good morning, Frank. Yes, good morning. Um, I think the idea of the bootstraps and people getting into trouble partly because of their behavior are two entirely different issues. But I think that in a situation where a person's behavior is a mitigating factor or is a factor in the, the, the situation, um, my parents would always use situations like that as a teaching moment. You see what happens if you're out late. You see what happens if you hang with the wrong people. So they, you might look at it that they're not blaming the victim, but they are pointing out that, yes, this person's behavior could have uh, contributed to it, and basically it really didn't have to happen had that person not been there. That's basically And that's all I have to say. Okay. Thanks, Frank. Um, actually, they're not two different, completely different instances when you talk about being, being blamed for your, your physical issues. I'm, I'm sort of talking about that big umbrella and I didn't want to narrow it down just to crime victimization, but also to other issues like, um, you know, the things that, that we do. Like, um, we know that there's some genetic tendencies toward obesity, toward diabetes, and toward other disorders. Um, and so some people, just from a genetic propensity, have um, 
uh, more difficulty not becoming overweight. The same thing we know for substance abuse and for mental illness. Yet we often tend to look at that person as if they could improve themselves. Now, certain, certainly on, um, you're correct in that from a victim's standpoint, if you put yourself in a vulnerable position, um, perhaps you are more likely to have something bad happen to you. But why is that? Why is it that now in this day, um, and time, and I know in history also, why is it that you can't go out at 10 o'clock at night? Why is it that you can't take your eight-year-old to a concert at um, that's out late one time as a special treat without feeling that you're in danger or your child is in danger? And why is it that Um, We feel the need to say, see, if you hadn't gone out in that big crowd, you wouldn't have been vulnerable. Are we encouraging people to um, to always the only way to be safe is to stay in your home and stay inside and stay out of a crowd and not experience new things? Um, So uh, what I'm what I'm hoping that we can do is as we move through this, Make sure that we're not so eager to blame victims, even when we don't have anything to gain, but we just feel the need to to talk about it to make ourselves feel more secure. Before we go to the first break, I want to give you an example to, to just let you maybe understand a little bit further. Um, There was a study, an old study done back in the 1960s by a social psychologist, Dr. Melvin Lerner, where he had participants, I'm not sure if you could do this nowadays, but he had participants observe another person receiving electrical shocks and they couldn't intervene. They just had to watch the person um, have these electrical shocks happen. And an odd thing happened. They began to belittle or criticize the victims for allowing this to go on. So um, the more unfair, the more severe, and the more suffering that happened, the greater anger and criticism that the observer had for the victim for allowing this to happen. And there's some follow-up studies that have found similar phenomena occur when people evaluate victims of car accidents, rape, domestic violence, illness, and poverty, like I just said. So I want you to think about that, and I'd like to hear from you. Give us your comments on why you think that um, we tend to... Um, further victimize the victim by putting blame on him or her. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org.
Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. L.A. has the nation's highest number of homeless veterans, but it's taken years to make space for some of them on a 400-acre VA campus. Somehow the VA there did have room for gardens, a baseball stadium, even a parrot sanctuary. It's mating season, so we hear a lot of the squawking on the campus here. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The state's ongoing opioid epidemic. A bill to allow guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we are talking about when bad things happen to anyone. Um, Why do we tend to do victim blaming? What's going on with that? Bad things can happen to anyone. Have you found yourself searching for an answer as to why something happened and then found yourself turning around and blaming the person that it happened to? Maybe it was a rape. Maybe it was a robbery. Um, Maybe it was uh, bullying. What what makes us do that? How can we become so desensitized or insensitive? Why can't we have the empathy that we need? Well, there's some research out there that has shown that um, there are perhaps some reasons and maybe we're trying to keep ourselves safe um, in our own minds, perhaps. Um, And that is a way that it helps us stay, feel safer. Um, I want to hear from you and what your thoughts are. Uh, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go on to the phone lines. We have Sam in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Sam. You have some thoughts about shaming? Yeah, hi. I appreciate you uh, taking the call. Thank you. Um, it's This is anecdotal. I don't have any actual data to back it up, but everyone that I hear victim blame after something terrible happens like that poor boy in jackson or a rape or anything they always relate it seems like a sense of superiority they were i would never take my child out that way mm. i would never wear mm-hmm. that when i go out at night it seems like mm-hmm. they want to feel superior to these people for some reason god knows why but that seems to be their mindset and when it comes to the ep- economic issue i think we spent the last hundred years teaching people that if you work hard you will succeed that you're rewarded for your hard work and your effort 
And the inverse of that assumption is that if you're not successful, you just didn't work hard enough. Mm. You just sat around. That's because it's hard work to make. You're never born into wealth or luck into wealth or anything along and, and, and success. It's always about what you did as a person. And I think that comes back again to, well, I'm, you know, I'm hardworking. I'm, that person just didn't work hard enough. That's why they're on the street or why they need assistance from the government or something along those lines. It seems like a superiority issue. That's a good a good point, Sam. And and again, it sort of rolls back to what some of the researchers have said, and that is um, trying to say that if you do the good and the right thing, and you're a good, wonderful person, then bad things can't happen to you. So m- some of it may be superiority. Some of it may be that, hey, I've got to keep my world good and perfect, and I can't let that happen to me. And as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, um, it it will stay safe. I, I don't know. I think you've got a good point. And some of it may be superior, superiority feelings. Um, but think about the number of really... Um, People, just an example came to my mind, the Kennedy family. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yes, they were born into wealth. They're um, individuals who were supposedly had everything. And look at all the terrible stuff that happened to that family. So um, you can be as superior as you want, but um, I think... Good things will happen to good people, and good things will happen to terrible people. Who was, what was one of the Enron folks who got away with their fraud in a few months after they were discovered, they died peacefully in their bed. Right. Good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people, and you just don't get to make sense of it, but we feel a need to do it. Yeah, so maybe we should quit trying to make sense of it and just try hard to have the empathy but thank, <laughs> thanks for your point sam thanks for your call and thanks for listening um let's go on to we have um john on the road um john you have some comments about the bootstraps theory yes i do um so when i was about six years old and i've heard this on your show now twice where people refer metaphorically to the notion that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. And I remember thinking when I was very young, and as it occurred to me, that I could just grab myself by my shoes and I could pull up hard enough, I'd be able to fly. (laughs) And, 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 of course, it didn't work. So, so I think that the, the metaphor of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps is both metaphorically and literally untrue. I don't know why we use it. You can't pull yourself up by your boots. And, uh, and people that are that have had something awful happen to them, uh, like the tragedies that you're speaking about here, aren't something that you can just get over by some force of will. Uh, and I do agree with the premise. This is really we, we live a life where we have to live with the knowledge that everybody that we know and we love is going to die. We're mm-hmm. going to die. And I think that we have to protect ourselves from that thought in order to be able to live our lives. And I think we create these fantasies that, and part of that is, is by victim blaming. They say, well, that wouldn't have happened to me because I would have worn my seatbelt or I wouldn't have drank and driven or, or any of the other things that, that people might say. It's, nor, it's to separate ourselves from reality so that we can live in really the illusion of safety because it is an illusion. This can happen to anybody for any reason at any time. And we still have to live with that knowledge. 
So it's a protective measure in my, a psychological protective measure in my view. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that is something that has been looked at over and over again. Is it a fair psychological um, move on our part, though, when we do that? Because then it tends to make the person, either the parent or the victim of the victim or the particular victim who's still alive and experiencing the negative effects of whatever happened to them, it's further burdened them because unfortunately in our media today um, you can see every thought from almost everybody between um, texting and Facebook and um, all the other Snapchat and Instagram and everything that people send out now um, used to um, bad things could be said about other people, but it sort of stayed um, within the realm of that person who was saying the negative things. Now it doesn't. And so it's even more impactful. But um, so we need to remember that. John, I think your bootstraps um, uh, thoughts are are so true. I never quite got that um, myself. Maybe I need to look up the history of how that ever came to pass before I use it again. And and, and I, I promise I'll bring it on the radio show if I find that. Or if somebody knows out there right now, give us a call and let us know why anybody ever started talking about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. So... John, thanks for your call. I think you're right on target with um, why we do what we do. So be careful driving. Um, so I want to hear from more of you. I think we've had uh, several of you with excellent thoughts about what's happening. Um, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email if you don't want to talk to family at mpbonline.org. Um, I want to tell you about another bit of research that was done by uh, Dr. Ronnie Janoff-Bullman, who suggests that victims sometimes even denigrate or uh, talk badly about themselves, um, locating the cause of their suffering in their own behavior. Um, There have been episodes where there have been... um, individuals who had bullying episodes happen to them and publicly they blame themselves for being more vulnerable or perhaps for having specific uh, physical characteristics that made them um, more of a target or maybe even their behaviors and um, and So there's been some theory that victim-blaming tendencies are rooted in the belief of, as we've talked about, a just world where actions have predictable consequences and people can control what happens to them. So do you have any thoughts about that? Did you have um, something bad happen to you where you know you had no control over it? Or did something happen to you and retrospectively you think maybe you were to blame? Um, I'd like to hear from some of you in either of those camps. Or have you had something bad happen to you? 
you blamed yourself, and then you were able to come to the realization that, hey, this was not my fault. I was just being a normal, typical person behaving in a normal, typical manner, and something bad happened to me. So um, I think as we're moving through the the thoughts of victim blaming and blaming ourselves, um, can we bring ourselves to reality and make ourselves think logically about um, what happened, why it happened, um, and and was there anybody to blame or was it just one of those um, instances? So think about that. Let's go back to the phone. We have June and Wiggins. June, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. How you doing? I'm great. You yeah. have. I'm sad though. I'm sad about what's been going on and what's happening. And I, I just really wanted us to talk about it today. So well, thanks my, my for talking. Opinion's not going to make you any happier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right. It, it, it's my opinion, just from my observation throughout my life, that uh, as a Christian nation, blaming the victim basically absolves us from the responsibility we have to help each other. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what the Christian religion is bound, founded on. Mm-hmm. But we like to stay away from that icky stuff, so we absolve ourselves by blaming the victim. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. So it absolves us for feeling obligated to do anything to help that we person? We have an obligation as fellow human beings. Yeah. I, I I think your point is good, whether you're of the Christian religion or any other, that that you're right. What is it? Is it an effort to keep us from feeling that we need to do anything, that we need to react at all, other than to to sweep it away, to brush it away, and say? Hmm, that's not going to happen to us, um, and that was their fault, and so that's that. And just do the the proverbial um, sweep it out of sight or sweep it out of your thoughts. So, well, well, I go ahead. Some something that may play a factor in this could be just the fear, the fear of of uh, associating ourselves with. As someone who who's down or mm-hmm. ill or uh, hit hard times and had to do something that they wouldn't ordinarily do. We don't want to associate with that. So it's a fear of, of associating ourselves with, well, I guess if, if you're, if you're having hard times in some Christianity sex, it would be, uh, your own fault or God's punishment against you. Mm. So the fear of you getting retribution for helping somebody like that. I don't know. I just think if we're a Christian nation, then we ought to practice Christianity and stop this nonsense. Practice caring about others and, and having that That's empathy. First, yeah. Our first order of business. Yeah. I'm with you, June. Thanks for your call. And. Thank you so much. Um, let's go on to Robert um, in Olive Branch. Um, you have some comments about our changing world. 
Yes, I, I do. It's 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 amazing what a change in our social and and, and economic and, and the way we live, how it has changed in such a blink of an eye since twenty. I mean, since yeah, since twenty eleven. Mm. Uh, our whole way of life has has changed, uh, not just here in the United States, but uh, throughout the world, uh, as we just witnessed in in Britain uh, that two days, two days ago with the bomb there, and uh, we. We're not used to things like that. We're, we're used to having uh, freedom to walk down the sidewalk, to uh, communicate with, with others, to be able to, you know, go to the airport, to, uh, you know, uh, carry a bottle of water with us. Right. Uh, Right. Things have changed so much, yes, um, over the years. Just in, you mentioned flying. Oh, my goodness. It is so different than it used to be. I remember the days, I'm dating myself, when my family could say goodbye to me at the gate. Um, They could walk through and not have to worry about security. We'd walk right down to the gate. So things have changed so much. And maybe we are all a bit angry about that. And so we just want to blame everybody else's behavior um, for the way it's changed and perhaps there is some blame placing there Um, but um, you're right things are different and and I know that um, boy if I let myself think back to the way the world felt when when I was 20 but then let's talk a little bit about some of that remember the maybe you don't Robert you may be young um, the the days when we all were worried about a nuclear attack um, you know and and what we would do if um, we were born I, I remember going through all the the uh, risk of that and the concern. So the world's changing, but it's oscillating back and forth. So, Well, uh, that's, that's true. Yeah. I'm 85, and I remember as a child, I, I grew up right in the heart of Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, right in the city limits uh, within the parkways. And uh, as a child, I have a twin brother. We we would just, we were able to go wherever we wanted to. If we wanted to ride our bicycle to Riverside Park, uh, we were free to do that. And now, uh, you know, with what you said about, you know, the atomic bomb, how in the 50s we, you know, we were drawn in quite a bit closer. And then as time went on and the 60s came and we were married and our children came along and we had to keep much closer watch as to what was going on and uh, of course as our children came some of it may be population um just increasing um the world population and population changes and crowded um 
cities and urban areas and poverty increasing. I think all of that has some bearing as we move along. But but you're right, and we're having to adjust to the change. And with that, unfortunately, um, more people at times are in danger of something bad happening to them. Though bad things happen to people, you know, back in the... Uh, Back as far as we can track, we certainly know that. So, thanks for your thoughts, Robert, and your call. I, I think I'm sure there are others out there who have the same thoughts. I think um, as we move along, let's see what others have to say. Um, let's stay on the lines. Let's go to Is it Raphael in Gulfport? Uh, yes, ma'am. Good morning. Thanks for calling. You have some more comments on victim blaming. Uh, yes, ma'am, and I thank you for taking my call. Certainly. Um, I, I have to uh, say that the first caller, uh-huh. the first caller that was talking about the woman whose uh, son was killed in Jackson. Uh-huh. Right. Yes, ma'am. And I, this is what I wanted to say. The reason why some people that are quote-unquote victims aren't always victims. Um, and such as in that case, the only victim I seen out of that whole entire situation was the child. Of course. Because yes. it later came out that the mother, the mother wasn't in a store. She was at a club. Mm. And she intentionally, she, you know, purposely left the child out there. And if you look at what's going on in social media, there's a lot of, there's a lot of false, I don't false information about a lot of cases that have been going around, such as, I believe in Louisiana, there was the, one woman that who was a black woman that she burned herself and said that was like the Ku Klux Klan or some racist that did it, and it happened a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and and I'm not saying victim blaming is a good thing, but a lot of times, or not a lot of times, it seems like nowadays, um, is considered victim blaming if a situation jumps off. And, you know, not up, the, the information might not necessarily be out there like that, but to just even question. Um, there was a case a couple of years ago, was a man in high school named Brian Banks, and a woman had said that she was raped by him. Yeah. And he was in jail for about six years, and, of course, it came out. I mean, it came out later on that the woman was lying. Right. And she even admitted she was, to it. Yeah. Right. And well, like I said, I don't have a problem with um, with us checking people that blame victims for certain circumstances because, yeah, there are bad things that do happen that you can't control. But to, my thing is, if something happens, can we question it first? Can we make sure that we got the right information out there first? Right. Raphael, you're bringing up uh, some good points. And, and let me just remind everybody that that a lot of what's come out on media right now is still hearsay on the Kingston case. So we want to be careful about that. But your point overall is well taken in that Sometimes um, we know that from all the innocence cases that have come out where people have been falsely imprisoned um, due to 
you know, the supposed victim lying. So we we all know we need to have our facts straight. We need to know what's going on. And before we are so quick to jump to um, media and uh, to to be accusatory, we need to know that we have our facts. And hopefully that's what law enforcement is out there for, is to try to get straight facts Um Um, But until, you know, you know the real facts, um, to try to give at least some sympathy and slash empathy, um, feel for the victim um, as long as you think that person truly was victimized and try not to come up with another reason that they were a victim. But uh, certainly I think there are plenty of people out there, Raphael, who agree with you on the fact that sometimes the victim is, is really not a victim, but perhaps um, not completely truthful about what's going on. So thanks for reminding us about that. Um, I think with that, let's take our um, next break. And um, when we come back, we'll get to Michael and Wiggins. And we're going to talk some more about um, generally outcomes of personal decisions and outside forces and, and how much can we control that and how much can't we. Um, we still have time for your calls. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. On the next Mississippi Roads, it's strange and unique places in Mississippi. We feature an airplane recovery yard in a unique place. The first international museum of Muslim culture in the nation is in Jackson. We look at how and why it was established in Mississippi. And we visit local artist Johnny Knight's treehouse in Mendenhall. I'm Walt Grayson. Join me on the next Mississippi Roads. Thursday at 7 p.m. on MPB TV. You can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Dr. Susan Buttress at Relatively Speaking, and we are talking about 
when bad things happen to people. Who's to blame? And why do we do victim blaming? Why do we have to find someone to blame always? And sometimes there is um, someone to blame. Uh, Sometimes there is a perpetrator. But sometimes we turn it around and we blame that victim. And why do we do that? We are talking about that today. Let's go on back to the phones. We've had some good phone calls. We have Michael, who's waited patiently in Wiggins. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for waiting. Hi, good morning, Doctor. I think my neighbor in Wiggins uh, uh, bringing up a religious co- uh, component is uh, uh, that pretty much dovetails into uh, some of the research that you cited about trying to keep ourselves uh, safe. And, uh, and but the uh, um, I have a, more, a little bit more of a sociopathic view of good things, bad things happen to people. I don't believe that good or bad things happen. Only that things happen, mm. and that and because that people want to. Uh, ascribe this is good or bad and that a bad thing happens to that person therefore i'm a uh, that person is a bad person that mm-hmm. so they go ahead and try to justify that by bringing up the past history of a rape victim uh, sex history of a of a rape victim's uh right uh life or something like that but um uh i was i used to be an avid bicycle commuter uh, about 500 miles uh, a month and i was hit by a, uh, a drunk driver hit and run he was eventually uh. arrested but uh, so I spent seven days in a level one trauma, then six months in a nursing home. Oh, years, my goodness, uh, Michael. So sorry. Destroyed, yeah, it destroyed my savings. Uh, I still have horrible, uh, a lot of orthopedic issues left over. Of course, you break seven bones, get 80 stitches. Uh, you're going to have some uh, leftover, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not as straight as I used to be. But um, so one person, you know, I talked to said, yeah, something happened to me and I lost all my savings and. Uh, ended up uh, living in a trailer with no windows and eaten by mosquitoes uh, for for a summer. And, uh, you know, as I sold my camera equipment to pay rent, right? And uh, uh, people, it was like, well, it sounds like you made a bad life decision. So they automatically ascribe that I made a bad life decision by automatically without knowing the circumstances. And uh, that was pretty infuriating. And I wow. Believe, uh, yeah. Told the person, uh, you know, comments like that or or a bad life decision because um, you don't know how angry that makes me, and maybe it's a bad, not a bad life decision, but a good a good death decision because it was so infuriating that that you you're bl- to be blamed for something that happened to me. I didn't say it was a bad thing or a good thing that happened to me. I got hit by a drunk driver. I mean, that was just a thing, right? So it doesn't make me a bad person or a good person. But it makes you a person who had to deal with the situation and some outsider who knew nothing about what really had happened was trying to make judgment. And, yeah, yeah. so you're pointing something out. Oh, gosh, Michael, it sounds like you've come around. I hope you have. I hope things are going better for you. I still have anger issues, but um, uh, but I'll never never be able to retire now. I mean, you just don't Mm. spend your, you know your four thousand dollars in savings to to live for two years after spending six months and you know the, the, in rehab uh, right right yeah the, but um so the um but but people are so fast to and, and i really agree with the the research that you cited and uh, my neighbor in wiggins about how that keeps you safe by saying well 
that will never happen to me because I'm a good person. Because I make good life decisions, right. So you can make all the best decisions in the world and you can ride on the right side of um, the highway when you're riding your bike and you can wear your bike helmet and you can do all the right stuff and you can still have something like that happen. So I I think your point is excellent, um, Michael, that to remind everybody out there that you can do all the right stuff and still have something happen that, um, gosh, it sounds like a, a, I'll, I'll go with your words, a thing that happened to you that was devastating for a while. And it sounds like you're coming out on the other side. But um, certainly reach for support if you need it, Michael. It sounds like um, anybody would likely need to, to reach out for support in a situation like this. Do you, do you remember, uh, oh, this is years ago, that uh, ridiculous book that was written called... Uh, why why bad things happen to good people? Yeah, and this is ascribing qualities of uh, things and 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 people. So um, the fact that a bad thing could happen to a good person, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a thing. I mean, um, yeah, you know, it's like my brother in law has a, a, a lung cancer, and as I tell people, it's like, um, man, your brother in law is really sick with lung cancer, and they're like, man, you know, how much did he smoke? He's a he's an avid cigarette hater. He just he won't even be around tobacco. Right. It's automatically oh he has lung cancer. He must be a smoker. He's getting he's getting what he deserved. And yeah, like, yeah. So what people need to remember um, is that stuff happens. Stuff happens to all of us, and life's not perfect. And we just need to learn how to live it. So yeah, the old military thing. Right? Yeah, this happens, right? Yeah, this happens. You don't ascribe the quality to it. It's just it happens. So okay, well, doctor, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for your call. Let's stay in the phones. We have Jason and Jackson. Jason, you have fact versus fiction comments. Um, tell us what you're thinking. Well, I was thinking about the, the comment of, um, what was his name, Raphael? Uh-huh. Yeah. To say, to end up just saying that he, she was at a club and him to speak on it like it was actual fact was a... a Sort of took issue with that. I mean, um, I, I really do appreciate the, what that you brought out that we should stick with facts and let the law enforcement do their job. And they they did do their job, and they are doing that. They're still doing their job right now, and they have uh, no. They haven't put any kind of uh, uh, blame on the mother whatsoever. Right. But to 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 say that though, and and act as though that was fact, and it's not. I, I don't. I didn't understand that. They did a. They actually brought out a um, uh, blow-by-blow uh, time frame, basically, of what happened and when it happened. And it said nothing about the mother being at any kind of club whatsoever. So I, I didn't understand why he would, you know, say something like that as though it was fact. Yeah. You know, Jason, that's one of the dangers of social media is that p- things are put out on on Facebook and in other electronic ways as if it's fact. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves because sometimes when people say it with such authority, then it tends to make you think, well, that's got to be the truth. So thanks for reminding us to stay steeped in, in fact. 
and and not let um, hearsay um, perhaps I mean hearsay can be so terribly damaging yeah um, and you know I don't know if y'all remember that um, some stuff was put out on social media about a teenage girl several years ago that was not true but it was it it caught on like wildfire um, to the point that um, it was so damaging and uh, bullying to her psyche, she committed suicide. So we have to be very, very careful and stick to fact. And um, like you said, let law enforcement take over. So thanks for your call, Jason. All right. Thank you. Let's go on to, we have Dustin down in Hattiesburg on uh, something on topic. Tell us what your thoughts are, Dustin. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, the victim blaming and causes for that. And, you know, I think as a person, we do a statistical analysis of the dangers of a situation. And we do that with our children. And, as, you know, as our children are doing something that we deem dangerous, we often try to correct them by saying, you shouldn't have done that. Did you learn your lesson? And that tends to be how we act toward individuals that are victims of some circumstance. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we think we can teach them something by by pointing out their errors, and it is insensitive. Right. So sometimes it does sound like insensitivity. I do talk to parents about teachable moments, but um, to to use someone's negative, horrible outcomes as a teachable moment sometimes is um, it tends to blame the victim. And so we have to be really careful about how we use those moments. Yeah, and so. it, it, it's more present as a person becomes older that they feel they need to teach right. everyone, you know, and it's and it's oftentimes their way of caring, but it's an insensitive way of caring. You know, it's like I'm trying to help this person by pointing out what they did wrong. But at that point, after a horrible circumstance, I'm pretty sure they understood what they may have done wrong and what was wrong with the situation. Right. Well, thanks for your call. Good. Good thoughts there. Thanks, Dustin. Okay, let's go to our last caller. We have Chris in Ocean Springs. We have about a minute. Chris, can you tell us what your thoughts are? Yeah, just real quick. I was thinking about blaming others, and to me, blaming others distracts myself from looking at things that I need to atone for and things that I have done wrong, and that's all I had to say. Wow, you said it so very concisely, but that is part of the research that has been found is that if we can turn around and blame things on others, then we don't have to introspectively look at ourselves. We can assume that we're going to always do the right thing and that bad things won't happen to us. So in summary today, let's just all remember that Stuff happens in life to people. You can call it good or bad or indifferent, but situations happen, and we don't always have to find someone to blame or someone to atone for the situation that happens. Now, certainly in a criminal act, you do. But the reality of it is stuff happens. 
We need to learn how to continue to have empathy for those around us and know that if we can improve their life, to work hard to try to do that. So thanks, everybody. Today's show is engineered by Jay White. Our call screener, Sharita Brent. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.